Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hello and welcome back to a brand new DNF1 F1 podcast. I hope that you're all doing well and thank you as always for being here. It's great to have you along for a bit of F1 chat and discussion and welcome back to episode three of this F1 2024 car launch mini series that we are doing at the moment and for those of you that are unfamiliar with what I've been doing in this series I've basically been dedicating an episode from this series to each of the teams as they unveil their 2024 cars for the season ahead. In episode one, I covered the Haas VF24 and in episode two, I covered the Williams FW46. Episode three, of course, is dedicated to the team, which also did their launch on Tuesday, which we haven't covered yet. And that is, of course, the Sauber team, which is now branded as Stake F1, unleashing the C. 44 car. So very much keeping in line with the Sauber names, which is nice to see as we approach this two-year transition period now where Sauber will eventually become the Audi Works team in 2026. But of course, it is branded as the Stake F1 team. And I think for the benefit of this discussion, I'm going to continue to refer to them as Stake rather than Sauber because it's probably a bit disrespectful to stake. They are putting the money up. They are branding the team. So, you know, rightfully so, we should be referring to them as such. Although I won't be extending that courtesy to another team that we will cover much later on in the series and no prizes for guessing which one that is. So first of all, let's talk about the new car. They did their launch on Tuesday evening in a much more traditional setting to what we've been used to in modern times. This was at a live public launch, I think somewhere in London, unless I'm mistaken. But um, they had the car on full display, display, I should say, the brand new car. And I'm a little bit torn on the look of this car because when I saw this last night, I'm recording this on on Tuesday, actually. When I saw this last night, I, um, I wasn't sure I liked this if I'm honest, but now that I've had some time to sleep on it, I think it's growing on me. And, you know, when I saw the pictures of it on the stream and saw it, you know, in the flesh, it looked a lot better than I think it did on the renders. I know the renders are supposed to make it pop, but I think when you see the car in its physical form rather than just the 3D renders that you're seeing, it looks a lot better. I like the fact that there's the bright green colouring on this. I know someone jokingly said that this was like they'd taken a black F1 car or the carbon and just ran over it with with a highlighter or a green highlighter. Um, But it it does look pretty cool. And I think it's a car that's going to look a lot better than, uh, than it does in the renders in the real world when we see it on track. So, you know, kudos to State, kudos to Sauber and everybody involved. I think this is a pretty good looking car. It's not the best one. I think the Williams and the McLaren probably look better than this one at the moment. But as I said, I think it's going to look better. I think the onboards look quite cool, actually. I think I saw one render of the onboard image of the car, 
and that does look pretty cool. So yeah, well done to them. Great looking car so far, very striking. So it's going to be quite easy to pick that one out in the midfield if, of course, that's where it's going to be this season. So it's a very bold design for a brand new era, as State call it. Um, quite interesting to call it a new era. I'm not sure how many eras in Formula One last two years, but this is going to be a kind of bridging the gap between Sauber and Audi. So sure, why not? Let's call it a new era if we're going to do that. There was a lot that was said in terms of the detail on this car. The new technical director brought in, James Key, joined the team in September 2023, following his dismissal at McLaren. And this is quite significant because... Obviously, the jury is going to be out on James Key as a technical director and his capabilities of understanding the requirements of making a car fast and reliable and consistent, of course, in this new rule cycle. And of course, from what we've seen at McLaren, it's not exactly been the best. Um, well, how can I put this? It's not exactly been the best um, uh, tenure, I suppose, after what happens at McLaren. But He's very much got the support of his former employer, who is now probably his current boss now, Andreas Seidel, who left McLaren last year to come to Audi as part of the CEO. So obviously there's still a lot of faith from him that James is the right man to do the job and bring stake forward. And maybe, you know, there are certain characteristics of the McLaren that James wasn't able to get the most out of. And maybe he's taken those lessons of what didn't work at that time. And he's going to be able to use those uh, lessons and characteristics to improve stake and bring them up the field you know it's never a case of a technical director fails one place they're going to fail somewhere else you know I mean look at James Allison for example he created some very bold ideas at Ferrari and the Ferrari wasn't bad but he certainly wasn't capable of winning a world championship move him over to Mercedes different environment different requirements needed took those lessons away with him and the results speak for themselves so I'm sure James Key will be uber determined to turn things around for Stake. And I'm sure the Stake team and everyone at Sauber and Audi will be giving him the full back in to make sure that he can do the absolute best that he can. And hopefully for their sake, that turns into some good results and good performances on track over the next couple of years. But talking about the car itself, James had a lot to say on this. He called it virtually a new car with very little carryover from the previous car. Now, for anyone who is a Sauber or Stake or Audi, whatever you want to call it, fan, if you're supporting this team, that's obviously a good sign. 2023 was a difficult year for them. You know, coming off the back of finishing P6 in 2022 with uh, fifth, um, it, their best result was finishing fifth in a race in that season. They've now fallen down the order when the expectation was for them to try and make progress up the field. They fell to ninth and they only had a best result of P8. And on average, in terms of ultimate pace, I think they had the slowest car across the entire grid last season in terms of ultimate one-lap pace. I know some people will probably be listening to this and thinking, well, what about Haas on a Sunday? Well, we're talking about ultimate one-lap pace. So Alfa Romeo really struggled last season as a result of that. A lot of things need to be changed. So that's obviously very encouraging for them to suggest that a lot has been changed. It's been an aggressive development period for them over the last 12 months um, and, and James referred to it as an aggressive design with a lot of potential a lot of risks were going on with uh, designing this particular car of course he wasn't involved in the original concept of this car because he joined quite late and imagine in the development process in September he would have probably been halfway through 
the development program but he's had a lot of influence on this car so that's obviously something that can be quite encouraging to show where they go from here because of course it's one thing to develop a car to start the season but then where you go with that in terms of your development cycle is obviously quite critical we know some teams tend to thrive in that regard some teams not so much so that will be important to see how that goes looking at the car itself in terms of the changes that we could see at the launch one thing that came out to me straight away was that they've switched to the pull rod suspension at the front um which and James Key called it a pretty much a new suspension altogether, which I think is quite important. And I think we're going to see a lot of teams focus on the suspension changes. If you remember, if you are an avid listener, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we spoke to F1 tech expert uh, Craig Scarborough about the significance of the suspension. And, and Adrian Newey very much championed that design in these ground effect era where everyone was focusing primarily on the floors. He was focusing on the suspension and, you know, look at what Red Bull are doing right now. So it's no surprise to see how significant the suspension is on these cars. And uh, I think Glenn Freeman also mentioned that as well in a recent episode with us when we were talking about Mercedes. So this is a critical part that teams do need to get right. And it looks like uh, Stake at least have focused on that primarily in their concept and changed their car to a pull rod suspension at the front. And it's still a posh rod at the rear. So this is very similar to what McLaren and Red Bull have done in terms of the combination. And the aim of that, of course, is to get a bit more um, sort of what they call anti-dive, but to get the car at the front to be much more planted and improve the aero flow across the rear of the car so that it works a bit better. And from what we've been hearing from a lot of tech experts, a lot of gains have been made by going down this route. So I wouldn't be surprised if a lot more teams have done the same with their new cars as well. A lot of teams did have pull rod suspensions at the front uh, stake, obviously being the latest to bring that one in. Um, there's also uh, another thing I noticed that the lower edge of the side pod inlet, uh, that's now been moved forward. So that's quite similar to what Red Bull did last season. If you cast your minds back to last year, Red Bull did very much pioneer this. So I'm not surprised to see that. I think a few teams have gone down that route. I think McLaren were looking at doing that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Williams and Haas are thinking of similar things as well. Um, so that's obviously quite a good move for them in terms of the airflow over that particular area. You want to maintain that rather than lose it out the side. You want it to flow over the top so that it can help push the car down. And the side pod shape has also been moved. It's now a lot taller in the midsection this year. It has a bit of a concave water slide uh, design that's going on and I think that's something we saw on the 2023 Mercedes quite late on when they made their changes so they've obviously played a lot of focus on that and the other big change I noticed was the the shape of the roll hoop at the top that's now gone to uh, it's now become an A-frame structure for this season which is a bit different to what they call the blade structure that they had before. Um, they were quite late to the party on this but um, that's a good change going forward for them and if you cast your minds back that blade structure that I just mentioned that's what they donned when um, Joe Guan Yu had that accident at Silverstone and that's what failed on the car so you know in terms of durability obviously that's quite significant but this is obviously for performance as well so that's a good step forward for them as well and you can see from the design of the car they have gone quite aggressive there's that little bulge at the bottom of the side pod as well um, which I believe is for the electronics or where those would be stored from what I from what I've heard and what I've read up on this and that is kind of akin to what this aggressive design is going to be on this car. And what James Key has mentioned, how bold and risky that stake are going with this car. It all sounds good. 
it sounds like they're not leaving many stones left unturned, if any at all. So we can be encouraged that they are trying to do everything they can to make steps forward. And they're probably going to have to, because this transition period that they're currently going through to become the Audi Works team, they're going to need to put together a platform with all the facilities that they're upgrading at this point in time and the capital investment that they're making. The improvement on the track needs to be happening in tandem with this. It can't just be a separate thing where the facilities are improving, but the car on track is absolutely rubbish like it was last season. It needs to be better. So all all that we were talking about Williams in the last episode in terms of um, how they're looking to make steps forward, not only with upgrades at the factory, but upgrades with the car on track, it looks very much like Stake are doing the very same thing with a view to Audi taking the reins when everything is ready for them and then they can start to put their footprint on the F1 grid and start to make um, gains going forward. So very encouraging signs from everyone involved. Um, I imagine there's a lot of optimism, which is something that we didn't normally associate with Sauber in the last few years, especially when it was Alfa Romeo. They kind of, you know, they, they talked things up, but they were quite conservative about what they wanted to achieve and perhaps their own estimations of what they want from this car. This is the polar opposite. They are very much going bold. They're taking risks. They're being aggressive. And... I like that. I think this is good for the sport. It should make them more competitive. Of course, we'll have to wait and see how that goes down because um, one thing that we've often attributed with uh, Salbrim the last few years when they were Alfa Romeo is they've tried to step away from this reliance of Ferrari from a technical point of view. And we know that Alfa Tauri did that with Red Bull, but it didn't really work. It kind of forced them to go back the other way. And I would agree, I'd argue that the same thing has kind of happened here with when Alfa Romeo uh, were branding the car. And this year, they, uh, they're they not going back to the Ferrari element. I think there is a difference there because we know that the V-Carb or RB, whatever you want to call them, they're now very much lending themselves to the expertise of Red Bull like they used to to help them move through the field. Um, Sauber are very much going the other way. They're going more aggressive. They're putting more investment in with stake. And hopefully this will give a good platform for Audi to take over in a couple of years time. But in the meantime, they will obviously want to, you know, establish their own position on the F1 calendar and put people on some notice. So it's all good signs for them in terms of the car. The detail looks good. They've got their shakedown on the 9th of February in Barcelona. So we haven't got long to wait before we might see some pictures from that. James Key has been quite um, keen to mention, I suppose, that this car is going to be quite different to what we see in testing, that they have developed beyond what we saw at the launch spec. So that's obviously encouraging as well. Um, and I imagine some teams are going to do that as well, because obviously at a point where you unveil the car, there's going to be a few months worth of development that's gone on in the background after that. So we're going to see a lot more new parts. We'll probably see a revised floor and maybe some of the bits that we've already talked about. They may not even be on the car at all in the season. We might see some more stuff going on at the rear that we didn't really get to see at the launch so exciting times for stake they're definitely looking like they want to make progress up the field talking about the drivers now and i think that is quite an important part before we finish off this particular episode on them valtteri bottas it was a it was a tough year for him last season i think there were some good qualifying performances in there but he just wasn't able to put it together in the race. And that was a combination of misfortune, like what we saw at Vegas when he qualified, I think it was like P7. And then he was caught up in that incident involving Fernando Alonso. And, and, and you know, so, and it was absolutely crazy, completely ruined his race. Um, 
tire management has been a problem for Alfa Romeo or Sauber, I suppose we should call them now, before stake. Um, it's been an issue for them last season. James Key pointed this out and was saying that, you know, tire management was quite far behind where they would have needed it to be. So that's going to be a hugely significant uh, facet for this car going forward this season in terms of where they're going to end up. Um, like we mentioned with Haas, they really struggled with tire management on the Sunday. So they're going to hope to rectify that. Ironically, it does seem to be the Ferrari powered teams in particular that struggled with the tire management. So they're going to be focusing on that. Hopefully that will improve things for them going forward this season. And hopefully for Bottas, he just gets some better luck because I, I just felt he was almost a forgotten man last season. He did pretty well at times, but let's be honest, most of the times when he really cropped up and we all paid attention to him was either when he had a brand new helmet or released a new picture of himself as we've seen a few of those doing the rounds or on a Saturday in qualifying in the race. It never really worked out for him. Same thing for Zhou Guan Yu. I think this is a big season for him. When we did our... 2025 predictions for the grid myself and Lee I don't think either of us included Joe Guan Yu because we just felt that perhaps this this transition period will create opportunities for other drivers coming through and he may be the one that falls out the trap door we do have at the time of recording a Chinese Grand Prix that will be taking place in 2024 the significance of the success of that in terms of the revenue and the the brand exposure for stake and other things as well that may contribute towards whether or not Zhou Guan Yu retains his seat for the 2025 season. We'll have to wait and see. I think he wasn't too bad last season, but I think he really needs to make a step up and really lay a claim to this team to say, look, I am the guy that you need to be back in for a little while longer. Um, I'm not done. I've certainly got plenty to offer. And I think Valtteri Bottas, in a way, probably has that too to some degree. I know people have been saying, oh, is there an outside chance that Mercedes may come calling for him after Hamilton has now signed to join Ferrari in 2025? Honestly, I'm not so sure. I don't feel the need as to why Mercedes would want to go down that avenue. I think they have plenty of suitable options to join that team. So it, it will be interesting to see how Valtteri gets on. I, I'd be surprised if Valtteri wasn't on the grid in 2025 but I think like Joe both of them are really going to have to showcase um, to to their employers why they should be retained on at least for another season so it's going to be a big year for them a lot has changed new technical structure in place obviously that transition is well underway from going from Sauber to Audi and and stake obviously filling the the bridge in the middle in the medium term in between all of that the car itself just to reflect I like the look of it uh, it is growing on me. I think it's going to look fantastic on track. I know it's a bit dark, but I do like the the sort of, uh, you know, that sort of bright green colour. What reminds me, for any wrestling fans out there, there was um, always had those like Friday shows used to have on TV that wasn't like Raw or Smackdown. I think one of them was called Velocity. Used to have it on a Sunday night. And, um, you know, showing my age a bit here. But you always used to have that bright green. And, and that colour reminds me of like speed, velocity and you know, all the good things that you want to see in Formula One. So I'm looking forward to seeing this car on track. I think it's going to look great. I think it's going to look fantastic in the night races, to be honest, with uh, those bright colours really, really popping. And for their sake, hopefully the car is as fast as she looks. I know I say that about a lot of these cars, and I know they can't all be fast, relatively speaking. Someone's got to finish in P10. But uh, encouraging signs ahead 
for stake. And hopefully these next couple of years are going to be quite beneficial for them before they become the Audi works team. But we'll find out in pre-season testing. And of course, we'll find out in the first race how far they've come over the winter and how far they still have to go uh, against the rest of the field. Hopefully for their sake, it's not as bad as last year. I just don't see that happening in terms of them falling off the pace, but we'll have to wait and see. But as always, guys, I hope that you guys enjoyed this particular episode. And let me know your thoughts regarding the car itself and if you like the look of it, if you don't like the look of it, and what your expectations are for the Stake F1 team heading into 2024. As always, if you've enjoyed the episode, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcasting platform and don't forget to leave us a five-star review. It's really very much appreciated. And, and let me know what your thoughts are on this new series. Are you enjoying this new mini-series that I'm doing? I know I'm flying solo, so it's basically just 15, 20 minutes of me waffling on about these new cars when sometimes I know as much as most of you guys that are listening to this I'm certainly not a technical expert whatsoever but I'm enjoying doing it so I hope you guys are enjoying listening to it as well but until next time guys we'll be back with an upper episode I think if memory serves I'm just going to check my calendar to check but the next team that I'll be talking about is the Alpine team as they've got their launch on the 7th of February so that episode will be going live on Thursday morning for you And then, of course, we'll be talking about the RB car, not the Red Bull, the other one, on Friday. But until then, guys, as always, thanks for tuning in. Please stay safe, and we will see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. And remember, as always, if you're not first, you're probably DNF1. Take care. Podcast Network.